High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Absolutely awesome this morning. It's good to see all of you come out. And uh, as many of you know, uh, or for maybe for you that don't, uh, maybe you're here visiting, this is not the way that I normally dress. Um, as a matter of fact, this is a jersey that I have worn out, worn three times. Both of them were events at the church. Uh, and so that's about the only time that you'll see me actually wearing things like this. But I'm going to just consider this an illustrated message this morning. I don't know if anybody remembers any of the illustrated messages that I used to do in the long time ago in a land far, far and away. Uh, when, uh, well, I, I turned 60 and I thought, well, I'll just retire that. Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't think anybody would enjoy me dressing up as a hippie again. Praise God. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And uh, again, you look awesome today. And again, this is just something we do. As you know, it's Labor Day weekend. A lot of folks are out. Uh, you know, this is kind of like the last hoorah before the summer ends. And there are many people that go out of town for this three-day weekend. But we are so glad that you are here with us this, this morning. And listen, I believe you're in the right place at the right time. I believe God has something, again, very, very powerful and important to your life today. Before I really get into the message this morning, I would like for everybody, uh, Stacy, just come up here just a moment. Come, come on up here. I want us to pray for Pastor Stacy this morning. Come on up here, baby. Um, show them how beautiful you are. Praise. This is my wife of 41 years. Praise God. Y'all go ahead and give her a big praise the Lord. Amen. Anyway, she is going, uh, we have to go to Tampa, uh, Tampa St. Pete uh, area tomorrow, and she is undergoing a, a uh, procedure, uh, yeah, and so she's going to be good, but I, I want us all to pray for her that this is a double balloon uh, type, as a matter of fact, it's something that nobody around here even does, and so uh, we finally found somebody to do it, and it's going to take care uh, of, uh, of an issue, um, and so how many of you know that our God is a healer? Do you believe that the Lord is your healer? that by his stripes are healed, but she's undergoing something that's been causing problems for quite some time and is a tribute to a lot of different things that we've been experiencing actually since the beginning of the year. So uh, I, I want to see it taken care of, praise the Lord, and uh, for her benefit and for mine, praise God. Yes, there is a little bit of a hidden motivation here. Um, I live with her every day, and I want her to feel good, praise God. So y'all stretch out your hand, and let's believe God uh, just for total healing and that God will guide the hands of the doctor as they conduct this procedure, and then everything will be taken care of, and there'll be a good report on the other side. Amen. Lord, we thank you for healing, that healing is the children's bread. Father, we thank you, Lord, that by, that by the stripes of Jesus that we're made whole. We thank you for the covenant of healing that we have. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we declare, Lord God, that this procedure will go well. We declare, Lord God, that Pastor Stacy's that her that her healing will spring forth speedily in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for safety. We thank you, Lord God, for healing now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a big praise. All right. I love my wife. Again, we've been married for 41 years. I thank God uh, for her. I thank God for her faithfulness. And uh, I will tell you that 
not necessarily an easy thing to do. And uh, it takes a lot of discipline because uh, the reality is there's a lot of times you really want to say something and you just have to uh, hold your tongue. Do you realize that the Bible actually says that if you can hold your tongue, the Bible says the sign of completion and maturity within the life of a believer is whenever they have control of their tongue. Amen. Look at somebody and ask them, are you mature today? Praise God. I thought you'd get that kind of a response, but anyway. I want to share some things this morning. Uh, we call this God's game plan. How many know that God has a game plan? He has a, he has a plan. He has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the church. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for every aspect of your life. Now, first and foremost, we find God's plan for man is located in the Bible. Anybody ever learned the song, the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. Anybody uh, ever learned that? I, that was one of the first uh, kids' church songs that I learned growing up, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Uh, I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You remember this? God's Word will never fail. Amen. How many of you believe that today, that we can stand upon the Word of God, that that is the foundation for all of our life it is a foundation for everything that we believe. As a matter of fact, everything that you find in the pages of your Bible, that is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And whenever he was in uh, praying for his disciples over there in John 17, he said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So God's word is truth. It is that which is unchangeable. Listen, I don't care which direction the culture goes, the Word of God will never change. God's truth never changes. And by the way, truth will always win out in the end because truth will always come out in the end. Because the reality, the lies, and the fabrications of man that many people build their lives on, eventually they will crumble, eventually they will fall. But the only thing that is going to stand the test of time is the Word of God that lives and abides forever. And if you will build your life upon the principles that you find in the Bible, in the Word of God, my friend, hear this. Your house, your family, every aspect of your life, it will stand and you will overcome every adversity and anything that the enemy would throw your direction. But you have to build your life on the Word. You have to build your life on what Jesus said. And in order for us to succeed in life, and by the way, in order for the church to succeed, in order for the body of Christ to succeed, we must follow God's game plan. We must follow His Word. We must uh, actually be attentive to what He has said and follow His directives. It's amazing how often people have an idea that their opinions are in some way the right opinions and are greater many times even than the Bible, even than the Word of God. I've actually had people tell me after telling them what the Bible says, they said, I don't really want to hear this because really what I think is this. And understand this, we, every single one of us have to be willing to subjugate our own opinions to what God has actually said. We must be willing to subjugate what we think, what we believe. We have 
have to be willing to subjugate that to what God has actually said. And if there's any area within our lives where it does not line up with what the Bible says, then we have to count it as false and we have to throw it out. Amen? Because to succeed, you've got to live with God's game plan. Look at somebody and say, you've got to grab a hold of God's game plan. And by the way, part of God's game plan is this one word, team. Everybody say team. Team is God's idea. As a matter of fact, I believe more and more, as a matter of fact, the more that you mature in the Lord, the more you will eliminate me and the more that you will actually embrace we. I'm going to say that again. The more you mature in the Lord, the more that you will eliminate me and the more that you will embrace we. You see, because it's not about me, it's about we, right? It's not about me personally. It's about God's divine corporate purpose that he has for the body of Christ that he has for our families. And for you that are fathers, for you that are, how many of you, how many fathers do I have here in the house? How many of you husbands do I, do I have in the house? You see, you, you get to a point to where you say, it's not really about my ministry. It's not really about my career. It's not about my house. What's more important to me than any Anything else, the you know, the older you get, the more you begin to think about family, the more you think about generations, the more you think about the continuity uh, and a legacy that you would leave for your family. Because the reality is this, if I get all the money in the world and I have the biggest house in all of Bay County and all of the state of Florida and I have more money than anybody else and I've got, I'm driving a Bentley and every other kind of car that's, you know, high price that you can name. And if everything is going great in my life, but you know what, if the people that I love the most, if they are failing, then somewhere things are amiss and things are not right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we have to begin to think about we rather than me. And so one of the things that God did in the very beginning, he is the author and the creator of a team. How many know the very first thing that God did after he created all of the heavens and the earth and the animals and all of the vegetation and, and uh, the sun, moon, and stars that he separated the sea from the dry land and, you know, and he made Adam. And then what he did, he recognized there was one missing piece, one missing piece. He, as a matter of fact, he looked at everything and said, this is good. This is really good. But listen, he said, there's one missing piece in what I'm going to do. This will be my crowning achievement. This will actually make everything right. And what I'm going to do is I am going to take from Adam a rib and I'm going to make a woman. How many of you men today are glad that God made a woman for you? How many are glad God made you? God made a brick house for you, praise God. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You think, oh, how? So now I'm, you, you got to know the song. Anyway, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, went and took a rib from Adam, and he formed this beautiful creation called Eve. Brought, him, brought, brought, brought Eve to Adam, and Adam woke up from the sleep rubbing his eyes, and he went, he looked at her, and she's standing right there in front of him, and he said, whoa, man. I will call her whoa man because that's what she did. I, you know, I had, to take an, I had to take a second look. I had to take another breath. She took my breath away. And what God did, he said this, it's not good for man to be alone. He said, it's not good, Andy, for you to be alone. Not good at all. Steve, 
Definitely not good for you to be alone. He works here, so I know that for a fact. Jose, it's not good for you to be alone. Vic, forget about it. Not good for you to be alone. For every man here, God said it's not good. John, not, you need a woman, praise God. You need a red-haired, fire, fiery woman there, praise God. David, not good for you to be alone. Not good for any of us to be alone. And so what God did is he formed a team. And the greatest team that God ever formed was a husband and wife team. Because I will tell you, there's things that husbands and wives can get done that no other team can get done. There is something, there is a completeness that happens whenever a husband and wife come together in agreement that you can find in no other combination. But God created a team because he recognized that man is not designed to do it by himself. It's not about me, it's about... It's not about me, it's about... I'll say it again, it's not about me, it's about... Can I, can I encourage every one of you today to get delivered of me and begin to think about we? Get delivered of just your, you, yourself, and I and begin to think about family and begin to think about others. Begin to think about team. Begin to think about your family. Begin to think about those that God has placed around you to co-labor with you. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. How many of you are thankful for somebody that's been there at a time that you may have fallen that was able to pick you up, that was able to help you, that was in a, uh, there in order to, uh, to, to help rescue you in the midst of the situation? I think all of us at some point in time within our lives we've been discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged? You know, I've been discouraged before. Some of you won't admit it, but probably all of us. You know, I'm so thankful that many times my wife has encouraged me. You know, whenever I wanted to give up, she said, no, we're not. We're going to keep on going. And times whenever she's wanted to give up, I said, no, we're not. We're going to keep on going. You know, we need one another because we need encouragement from one another. Can everybody say amen? There are times that all of us go through situations where we want to turn on the gas, light a match, and say, goodbye, world, goodbye. But thank God there's somebody there. God always has a team member, praise God, somebody that God has joined you to that is able to encourage you in that moment, in that time whenever you feel like all hope is lost and all, you know, it, you can't go any farther. Thank God for a team that God put together with a husband and wife. Amen. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. By the way, this message is not about marriage. But by the way, you can take uh, some of these principles and apply it in your marriage. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, we have to understand, once again, God is the author of team ministry. God is the author of the team. God created the team. He did it at the very beginning of creation. And even whenever he created the animals, he created the animals, male and female. How many of you know that? And when you look at the animals, there's males and there's females. He didn't create them asexual. He created a male and a female. I just, just to throw this in, God created only two genders. Okay? Yeah. 
right? God created two. And it's established biologically. It's plain and simple. Isn't it amazing how people in the world think they know more and they're going to complicate what God made so simple? Let's see how we can complicate this. I said this last week, you know, just because I feel like and believe I'm an airplane doesn't mean I can get on top of a building and fly. I mean, you know, that doesn't make you an airplane. Just because somebody thinks they're a dog doesn't, and they're barking every day doesn't make them a dog. All right? Just because somebody thinks they're a cat, just because somebody thinks they're a tiger, doesn't mean that they are a tiger. And so, you know, the problem that we have is we have a society and a culture today that wants to pacify the lie that people choose to believe. Well, you don't understand how I feel. Well, listen, listen, there's a lot of times that I feel wrong and I have to actually take authority over my feelings and bring them into subjection to what God actually says, right? We don't walk by, listen, we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. God made it very simple. God made marriage very simple. This is not in my notes. It's free stuff for you today, praise God. God made marriage very simple. And Jesus even said it. Look at somebody said, Jesus said it. I want to make, because, you know, sometimes people have said, well, Jesus didn't even really say anything about marriage and, and who could be married. You know, you know, love is love. No, love is love whenever it's one man and one woman and they get together. That's how God created it. And I know that's not popular in our culture and society, but by the way, if, listen, if ministers of the gospel don't actually articulate God's principles from the pulpit, then who is going to do it? Right? We can't allow the cultural voices of the day to begin to dictate what we believe and what we embrace. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, then we throw it away. Jesus actually said, because uh, scribes and Pharisees asked him a question about marriage, uh, and he said, don't you know, haven't you read in, in the beginning, God created them male and female. And this is what he said, and what God has put together, let no man put asunder. God created them what? Male and female. The question of gender and the question of marriage was, they was solved right at that moment and that time, the answer was given by Jesus. And by the way, if that's the answer Jesus gave, that is my final answer. Praise God. How many say, that is my final answer? What Jesus said, that is my final answer. Amen. I love anybody. You can think differently. You know, God gives you a right to be wrong. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, you're going to be held accountable for that wrong. But understand this, you know, everybody, you can think what you want to think, you believe what you want to believe. I'm going to still witness to you, and I believe that the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will change your thinking. That stinking thinking will be changed in the name of Jesus. Amen? But you got to understand, this is the way that God's designed things. And so God is the one who instituted the team. Jesus himself promoted team ministry. Jesus chose 12 men and traveled with them ministering all throughout Israel. Mark 6, 7 says this, And he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. So here again, Jesus promoted team ministry. Jesus is not endorsing the Lone Ranger. Jesus is endorsing the Lone Ranger and Tonto. See, anybody remember the Lone Ranger? See, Jesus, what he endorsed was team ministry. He didn't say, go out there with your gun, your silver bullet, and go out, you know. No, I'm going to put somebody with you. There's somebody that's going to co-labor with you. 
And so Jesus, even with his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Jesus sent them out in teams. Team ministry is the New Testament pattern. Even with Paul, what we find out is that Paul, was he was sent out with Barnabas. Acts 13, 2, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work, or that's Paul actually, uh, Barnabas and Saul, Paul, for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit himself reinforces the principles of teams working together. Amen? So God has always been the author of team. We see Elijah and Elisha. They worked together. Moses had Joshua. And not only did he have Joshua, but he had Aaron and Hur. How many of you remember the time, uh, he would, as Moses was holding up his hands, you know, they would prevail. The armies of Israel would prevail against the enemy. He got weak and his hands began to fall and so they got Aaron on one side and her on the other side began to hold up his hands and as long as his hands were up, they actually prevailed and they eventually end up, ended up winning the battle. Now I said all that to say this, God will cause teams to function together for the purpose of victory and triumph, praise God. God ordained people groups to accomplish things together. God's ordained the church. That is his game plan. God did not ordain one man. He did not ordain just one famous person, famous minister to be the person that's spearheading everything in the church. No, God wants the church to function and to operate as a team. Amen? It's not about me. It is about... Amen. Now, why do we have to have a team understanding? Why do we have to embrace this? It's very simple. Leviticus 26, 8. Five of you shall chase a thousand, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before them. Another passage of Scripture says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. The whole principle that is being reinforced in the Bible is this. There is team synergism that happens whenever we begin to come together. There's only so much that you can do by yourself. But whenever we begin to come together, our efforts, our work begins to be multiplied and we have greater effectiveness. Amen. You know what? I love working together with other people. How many of you love working with other people? And uh, by the way, one of the things that's very important, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, one of the very important things about working together is everybody's got to know their role and make sure that they do their part. Amen. But understand this, when people are in agreement, there's multiplied effect of their combined efforts. Your work production multiplies whenever you begin to function as a team. The enemy, the devil, does not want any of us to experience spiritual synergism. And so he doesn't want us functioning as a team. That's one of the reasons that he attempts to bring divorce into marriages. He wants to split up marriages. He wants to split up homes. He wants to cause husbands and wives to be against each other. He wants to cause division and strife in the family and home. Why? Because it causes synergism to be destroyed. It causes your effectiveness to be diminished. My friend, one of the things we have to realize that the devil that comes to bring division in marriages and homes it is your enemy. Look at somebody say, it's your enemy. The, the devil doesn't want your marriage to succeed. The devil doesn't want you functioning together as a team. And by the way, if he can't get you to divorce, then he just wants to put you on separate pages where you do your thing and I do my thing. And understand this, God didn't even design marriages and homes to function like that. God designed a husband and a wife to function and to flow together. Can I say that again? God designed it so that a husband and wife function and flow together. I mean, except for the times that Pastor Stacy's doing her, getting her nails done, most of the time I'm going to be right there with her. 
okay? And even sometimes I've been there when she's gotten her nails done. People that know us recognize our staff can tell you we're always together. We're always, we're always, because we have an understanding that there's greater effectiveness when we're working together. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some sparks that fly every now and then. Now, I know that none of you that are here this morning ever have any sparks fly in your relationships, okay? But the reality, well, there's such a, a revelation that's just really right here. Because what you have to understand uh, is that unity does not necessarily mean conformity. Unity doesn't necessarily mean that you are 100% think the same way. Because, listen, God made you opposites. Revelation alert. You know what? Whenever I got married, I was doing my best to try to make my wife think exactly like me. You know what? After a couple of years of that, I said, this is a failed mission. There is no way. I bored, yes. There's, you know, and I've, I got a revelation, and I remember many, many years ago, we had a... Had, a, had some teaching, and uh, we actually did it here at the church, and I remember uh, Bruce and Rhonda Godwin, they actually participated in this and taught in the first, and I, again, I had, a, I had marriage teaching, but I'd never heard this before, but they were the ones who actually brought out that the whole understanding of the Hebrew word neged. And neged, which it, when the Bible says that God made a help me, the Hebrew word there is neged, which means to stand out boldly opposite of. That means that Tyler is going to stand out boldly opposite of Leanne. And Leanne is going to stand out boldly opposite of Tyler. And I know that because Tyler has an Auburn shirt on right now. They stand out boldly opposite of one another. We're different. We think different. You know, I say potato, she says potato, or vice versa. You know, and it's like, it, it, and it, 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 this thing carries over into every single realm of life. We always say it's, it's become, becomes a joke, you know. Uh, at least it has in our house. You know, she'll get an idea, and I'll say, I was thinking the same thing. Or I'll get an idea, and she says, I was thinking the same thing. And we go, miracle. <laughs> this is such a rarity that we think the same way. But understand this, after we talk about it and we, 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 we weigh out all the goods and the bads and we, we come together, you see, that's the whole design. It's like you're opposite pieces of a puzzle. You look total opposite of each other. But God has designed you to come together because the way that teams work is not just based upon one person's opinion. that you bring together and you begin to stir the pot all together and then you say, mm, okay, that's good, that's good, this isn't good, this what I thought isn't good on that, but what you thought was good on that and, and you know, you, what you do is you begin to combine things and it causes a merging together and a flowing together. Is this making sense to you? You know, the reality is the human nature and the flesh always wants to make everybody think exactly the way. You, you must think this way and if you don't think exactly this way, you know what I found? If you get 10 pastors together and ask them certain biblical questions, you will get 10 different answers. But can I tell you, those 10 pastors can still function in the unity of the Spirit even if they think differently about something. Amen? All right. Now, God has a game plan. He has a game plan for every one of us in every area of our lives. And real quickly, I'm going to give you just some principles, basic principles. In order... To function as a team, to be successful functioning as a team, 
and to carry out God's game plan for your life. Because you know what? It's more than just knowing the Bible. It's actually implementing the principles, practicing them on a daily basis. I've known of people before that know a lot of Bible, but yet they're not really implementing the basic fundamental principles that the Bible actually teaches and, 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 and we can easily be seen. So, but anyway, this is principles for effectiveness, functioning as a team, and carrying out God's game plan. I don't know how many of you yesterday, uh, anybody watch any football yesterday? How many of you, your team won? The team that you were rooting for, you won. Some of them won really big. Alabama, man, they just, you know, rolled. Georgia rolled. Uh, Florida escaped. Praise the Lord. They actually played a good game. They really did. Gators did, did really good. So, all right, here it is. Florida State applauding the Gators. Y'all did a great job. Anyway, and so, but, you know, and again, I'll make sure everybody understands. We do this. This is enjoy. We have fun on this day, you know, wearing this. But, by the way, my first and foremost identity is not with Florida State. It's not even with the state of Florida. It, it, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? My first identity is that I am a child of the Most High God, and that's what brings us together. Amen? We're all part of the same family. Amen. I don't care what color you wear, okay? Um, and I even love all you Miami fans that are here today. I want you to know I love you. Praise God. Boy, that, talking about, see how my love walk has grown? Praise God. Amen. Amen. So these are things you got to do. This is the first principle right here. In order to embrace God's game plan and see success is you've got to know your assignment. you got to know your assignment. Every coach came into the game yesterday, particularly the ones that won their games. They came in with a game plan. They already had charted out what they were going to do. They had already scoped out the team that they were going to be playing. They, would exam they had examined where they're strong, where they're weak, or where they at least believed that they would be strong and where they would be weak, where their team needed to fortify themselves and where they could take advantage of the other team that was on the field. And so they come in with a game plan, a devised game plan, in order to exploit the other team, in order that they may win. In order for this to actually be carried out, the first thing of those that are on the field, as a matter of fact, not just those on the field, but even those on the sidelines. Here's just a revelation. Just because you're not on the platform doesn't mean you're not important in the body of Christ. Can I tell you, at any given time, in any given game, there is 11 players in a football game on the field. Can I tell you, there's at least six times the amount that are sitting on the bench or attending to other things that are actually on the sidelines. And can I tell you, those 11 players that are on the field, they can't do it without the other ones that are actually there on the bench or on the sidelines. How I many everybody has an part to play? Everybody has a very important part that they play. So you've got to know your assignment. Everyone on a football team has an individual job to do. If they're a lineman, then they have to block. If they're receivers, then they've they got to catch the ball. If they're running backs, they've got to carry the ball and be able to run. If they're on defense, linebackers, they've got to tackle whoever comes through or whoever they're rushing. The defensive line, they've got to rush the quarterback if it's a pass play. And they've got to close up the holes if it's a running play. And so everybody, every single player has an assignment. There is no specific play that no player has an assignment. Everybody has an assignment. And so you've got to understand that in the body of Christ, everybody has an assignment. Understand that you have something to do. 
There's a function. There's somewhere that God wants you to begin to operate as a team member of the body of Christ and more specifically as a team member within the local church because one person can't get it done. And by the way, it's very important for you to embrace the part that you have to play. And not only is it important for you to embrace it and to know it, but it's important for you to be happy doing it. You know, the reality is on a football team, most of the time you don't hear much said about the linemen. But can I tell you, as, as great as a quarterback might be, if he doesn't have a good old line, he will be the worst quarterback in all of football, right? Uh, we hear about Tom Brady, but can I tell you, Tom Brady was great because he had a great offensive line. That's not to take away from his ability at all, but I'm just telling you, his ability could only shine because he had an offensive line. And you heard very little bit. If I asked you some names of some of the offensive line that Tom Brady had actually quarterback behind, very few people would even be able to name even one of the linemen out of the five that are always there, play after play after play. They can talk about Tom Brady, but they don't know any of the linemen. You know what, I, I was talking with Witt just a little bit, and he's talking about the quarterback from Alabama, and there was talks about maybe he wasn't at Heisman, what's his name? Hmm? Bryce Young. Uh, they were talking, uh, you know, and all of a sudden yesterday he threw, what, five touchdowns, and, the, and so everybody, he's the talk of the town now. All of a sudden, he's back in the running. If he, you know, if he had lost in any way or lost any ground, he's back in the running for the Heisman. He threw five touchdowns, just bam, 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 bam. Now I said all that to say this: people know the name, particularly Alabama fans. How many Alabama fans do you have here? Okay, y'all know Bryce Young, right? Y'all, y'all know. I see him smiling back there, Chuck. I saw you smile real big at that. Yeah, no Bryce Young. But how many of you know the name of the center? <laughs> how many name the know the name of the guard? But can I tell you, those guys are the ones that enable him to do what he does, right? And so those guys are just as important as the guy who's getting the ball. You know, we have to understand that whatever position we have in the body of Christ, we need to be thankful that God's even put us on the team. We need to be thankful that we're just a part of the team, and we need to be grateful for the position that we are to fulfill. And we need to say, thank you, Lord. I, I'm glad that I've got a part. It may be a big part. It might be a small part. But understand this. It doesn't really matter how big the part is. It's the fact that I have a part. Praise God. It's not really a matter of how big my role is. It's just the fact that I have a role to play. Can everybody say amen? So you've got to know your assignment. See, everybody's not called to be the pastor. You know, we don't, we don't need 50 pastors trying to run the place. You all understand what I'm saying? I mean, God establishes a pastor, and there's other, uh, we have a, you know, delegate out the leadership within this church. Thank God we got board members. We have, you know, our, our building team members. We've got uh, finance committee members. We got staff, you know what? And everybody has their own unique role. And by the way, it can't be done just by one individual. It requires everybody functioning together as a team. And by the way, in your home, listen, husbands and wives, you're a team, and you have to understand you're going to fulfill different roles. Be thankful for the role that you fulfill, whatever it might be. Amen? And uh, I, I'm not going to get into the roles that husbands and wives have, but just suffice to say, you know what? Whatever role. See, it's real easy in your role that you have to begin to complain about having to do things. Don't start complaining because maybe you're not shining at that moment. Be thankful that you've got an ability to do something. Amen? 
Every member of the body of Christ has an assignment. Failure in your assignment can cause the entire body to suffer. Let me say it another way. The success of the team is always determined by the carrying out of individual assignment of those who make up the team. If the individual players don't do their job, if they don't know their assignment and do their assignment, then what ends up happening is the team is jeopardized and the victory can be forfeited. How many times have we heard in football somebody missed an assignment? Usually we talk about it specifically either in somebody didn't block their man, somebody didn't, a defensive player, uh, cornerback or safety, they, there was a blown coverage and they missed their assignment. And because of their missed assignment, hmm. What, what happened is the other team was able to score. Can I tell you, your assignment is important. Don't think, don't think that you're not missed when you are not here. Everybody has an important assignment. Look at somebody say, your, your assignment is important. Here's the second principle, execute the play. The coach sends in a play, the quarterback communicates the play, and then the players execute the play. If it's a pass play, the linemen block and the receivers run their route. And then if the ball is thrown to them, then they're supposed to catch the ball, okay? Execute means this, that you work and you do your job. You don't tell everyone else how to do theirs. You concentrate on doing yours. Has anybody here ever worked in a place where you always had some of the employees that felt like that they knew everybody else's job while they themselves didn't do a good job on their own? Uh, can I, let me just say it like this. You need to stay in your lane. Sometimes you just need to know your role and shut your hole and get the job done. Right? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I mean, you've always got the experts. Isn't it always amazing how the people who believe that they're experts are people that have never actually done what you're doing? I know more than that individual. You know what? You've never even done that job. How would you know? You see, we have to realize we just got to concentrate on our own stuff. We got to keep our own nose clean. We got to just make sure that we get our own job done. Now, understand if you're a supervisor, that's a whole other thing because your job is to make sure that everybody is doing their job. But you know what? If you have a specific job, then do your job and do it to the best of your ability and do it as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You know what? Same goes in the church. Whatever your job is, do it as unto the Lord. Do it like you're doing it for Jesus. Do it like Jesus was your employer. Amen? So you got to execute. you got to do your job. you got to work. Failure to execute by any of the players jeopardizes the team's success. If you don't think... It's the right play to call. You go ahead and execute it anyway. Well, I just didn't agree with what the boss told us to do. Go ahead and do what he told you to do. Well, I just don't agree with what the pastor told is, is trying to establish. You know what? Go ahead and do it anyway. Amen. Put a smile on your face. Be happy about it. Praise God. And if it's not sinful or if it's not unholy, then you don't have any reason to try to balk or try to rebel. See, there is order in the kingdom of God and there is order in the church. And if you operate outside the boundaries of authority, you will have no authority for yourself. Authority is only extended to you when you are operating within the boundaries of authority. And if you don't believe that, just ask any of the military personnel here. They'll tell you real quickly, if you operate outside of the boundaries of authority, not only do you lose all authority, you're going to start losing stripes. 
right? The next thing that you're going to be hearing is court-martial. Why? Because you're doing your own thing. Just operate in, inside the boundaries. Execute the play. Do what you're supposed to do. And I will tell you that you'll see success on the other side. Here's the third principle. Stay unified. Stay unified. You ever watch those games where a team is losing, and the next thing you know, they're fighting with each other on the, you know, on the field? You know what? They just dug a deeper hole for themselves. Because whenever people begin to fight among themselves, when they get disunified, what begins to take place is the team goes down. Morale goes down. Production goes down. Synergism stops at the moment where unity fails to move forward. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, y'all getting anything out of this? It says, work, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. I want everybody to hear this. Unity is something that you have to work at. It doesn't happen automatically. Unity doesn't happen just because you think I'm going to be walking in unity. It's something you've got to work at. Why do you have to work at it? It's because it requires you to crucify your flesh. Unity requires you to crucify your flesh. Unity requires you to put down some of your own opinions and your own ideas. Unity requires for you to actually make some concessions and compromise. I'm not talking about compromise as far as biblical principles, but I'm just talking about in the way that things might be done. And so we have to understand you've got to work to keep the unity of the Spirit. The most dangerous enemy of any team is division. The, most, the church today is division and strife. As a matter of fact, I'll say that it's even worse than a Jezebel spirit. It's, it's worse than a lot of things. Division and strife, once it gets in, the Bible says that wherever there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Once people begin to jock for position and they get envious of others and begin to say, well, you know, I should be the one that's, you know, uh, I should have the microphone and the platform at this time, that's envy, my friend. And what begins to take place is there's confusion and every evil work that comes in on the tail end of that. Once players on the field, they begin to blame one another. The game is over, basically, for them. If a husband and a wife, if they're divided, they will not succeed. There must be unity for a team to succeed. How many of you want the team to succeed? How many of you want your team to succeed? You want God's plan for your life, God's game plan for your life to succeed? Well, you're going to have to function and operate in unity. It's better for you to put down your own desire and function in unity rather than try to fight about things and stir up strife, and you might get your way, but ultimately you're not in unity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I plead with you, this is Paul speaking, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions. Everybody say no divisions. Look at somebody and say no divisiveness. Look at somebody and say no discord. Look at somebody and say no division. Now, in order, to have no, in order to have no divisions, you have to say no to division. In order to have no discord, you have to say no to discord. Whenever it begins to crop up its ugly head, you have to say no. Whenever there's, you know, sometimes arguments and fights can be avoided in marriages and homes if the spouse will just, just one of them will say no to division. If just one of them will say no to discord. If just one of them will say no to strife, my friend, it will keep it out of the home. You know, sometimes you just got to say, Lord, put a guard over my lips. Put a guard over my tongue. Don't let any corrupt communication come out of my mouth, but that which is good to edifying. My mom and daddy, they used to tell me, particularly my daddy, he'd say, son, if you can't say something good, then just don't say anything at all. How many ever heard that?
said before. You know what? If you can't say something good to your spouse, then just don't say anything at all. Thank you for that overwhelming response. But I'll tell you, if you'll practice that, it'll save your marriage. Amen? Glory to God. Paul actually said, I plead with you. I'm pleading with you. Don't let division come in the church. I'm pleading with you. Don't allow discord to come into the church because it is the one thing that will actually cause the team to be destroyed and they lose momentum. Again, why would Paul plead that there be no division? Because division will cause the team to lose. Bottom line. You've got to refuse to live offended. You've got to refuse to live upset. The reality is, listen, every day of our lives, we could probably get offended about something. Right? How many of you had at least one opportunity last week to get offended about something? This is not a trick question, my friend. How many of you had at least one opportunity to get mad, get offended, and go off on somebody? Yeah. We all do. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a daily thing many times. Particularly the more people that you work with, the more opportunity there is that presents itself for you to get offended and get upset, get angry and get mad. And can I tell you what? You just have to make a decision. My life is too important to me and my family in order for me to live offended, mad, angry, and upset. Because hear this, if you live mad, angry, offended, and upset, you'll end up getting bitter rather than better, and it will end up being spewed out on the people that you say that you love the most. Because most of the time, if we get upset or we get offended about something, we begin to spew out on those who are closest to us. We don't necessarily even go to the people who did something. We want to spew it out on those that we're closest to. And can I tell you, we need to change that. We've got to learn to walk in the love of God. You got to begin to analyze, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it I get all hot and bothered about this particular situation? You know what? Tomorrow will come and I'll still be here and everything's going to be okay. Amen? Here's the last principle. You got to play till the game is over. You got to persevere. You know, the moment that you feel like throwing in the towel the most is the moment that you've got to turn up the notch and turn up the volume all the way. The moment that you want to quit is the moment that you got to say, I will not quit. The reality is all of us at certain times we want to quit. All of us at certain times we want to throw in the towel. I've never known anybody that didn't want to quit at some point in time. Not long ago, I'll use, stat, I'll use a staff member. It's all right, Steve. We love you. We love Steve. How many of y'all love Steve? Hello, you appreciate Steve. We were just having some issues and things weren't going right in the office and a lot of us were frustrated about it. And finally, Steve, he came in one day and he was crying. Is it okay if I share this? Okay, thank you. Anyway, he came in, he was, uh, he, he was really sorrowful. He was, he was crying, he said, I got, he said, I gotta quit. I just gotta quit. I, I just feel like I, I, I can't do this. And um, you know, various reasons that he gave, he said, I, I just need to quit. And I, we talked to him for about two hours and he said, Steve, are you sure about this? You know, we're not wanting you to quit. We want you to stay, you know, but no, I gotta quit. I said, are you sure, Steve? Yes, you know, we, I, I, I gotta quit, I gotta quit. And so anyway, I said, well, okay, well, we will work out a, 
you know, a, a, uh, a, you know, an exit plan uh, for you. We want you to know we love you. We love your family, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And uh, anyway, so anyway, about a day or two later, I got a call. He came, well, came into the office. It was the next day? Okay, Pastor Joshua remembers. The next day, he came back into the office and said, I can't quit. I can't quit. Probably because something I said at some point in time about quitting, and he's still here. How many appreciate Steve? Now, I, I only said that to say this. All of us want to quit at some point in time. Has anybody ever wanted to walk out on the greatest team that God put together, your marriage? You know, slip out the jack, back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be caught, Roy. Don't, right? Get on the bus, Gus. Don't need to discuss much. Right? We want to get out. See you later. These boots were made for walking. And walk is what they'll do. One of these days, are y'all following what I'm saying? I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Listen, every single one of us, we've had those thoughts before. We've had those feelings before. That's it. I'm done. I'm better than this. Bless God, I deserve better than this. Listen, I'm just being real transparent here. I, I've went through it. Pastor Stacey's went through it. I'm getting in the car. I'm gone. I ain't coming back. I'm tired of this. You know, here it is 41 years later, and we've never been apart an evening unless it was for a good reason or, you know, or something like that, where she had to go somewhere, I had to go somewhere. But you know what? Not one time. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? I've seen the sun come up some mornings, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. I can't walk out on the team. You can't, you gotta persevere. You gotta keep at it. You gotta keep working at it. Amen. I don't know if any of y'all remember in 2014. Florida State. Played Auburn. Does anybody remember that game? You know, it didn't start out very good. As a matter of fact, at one point in time, Florida State was behind 21 to 3. 21 to 3. I don't think they'd ever been behind a game the entire year. And, uh, and so, 21 to 3. They came back right before the half, and it went 21 to 10. And then I believe they started off, and uh, I don't remember the whole sequence of scoring, but they finally went ahead with four minutes left to go when a young man, uh, what was it, Washington? Uh, Kermit Whitfield, excuse me. Kermit Whitfield, he ran a TD back. I can remember, Pastor Stacy and I, uh, we were actually out of town at that point in time. We were at a game. At one point in time, I had given up on the game. I said, forget this. I was mad with everybody. I can't believe they're playing this way. You know, and so... Anyway, but I can remember whenever he ran that touchdown back, I was there in the, in the room going, go, 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 go. And the next thing you know, I was jumping up and down on the bed. Go, you know. Now, no, I know none of y'all have ever done that, okay? 
I was, though, right? And I thought, that's it. The game's over. Well, Auburn came back, and with a minute 19 left in the game, they scored a touchdown. They went up ahead. It was horrible. I felt like a knife <laughs> right in the heart. I thought, no way. They haven't done that well all this game. Now they got, he's got a minute and 19 seconds, a minute and 13, I think, when they actually got the ball to go all the way down and score a touchdown because a field goal won't get it done. And uh, for you that are Knowles fans, I know you remember this. March the ball right down, 13 seconds left to go in the game. <laughs> Pass, caught it a touchdown. Well, guess what? I got to jump on the bed again. <laughs> Jumped up and down, started jumping out. Woo, yeah! Yeah. And then I decided after that, because it's a long story, but I put my team colors back on, and I was going to go back outside walking around. <laughs> so, yeah. It's great to be a Seminole right now. It didn't last very long, but it was good for that moment. So, but this is the bottom line. You know what? It would have been very easy for them to give up. It would have been very easy to throw in the towel. How many times have you seen athletic events where it just seemed like all hope was lost? You know, Jordan comes back, you know, or whoever it might be, comes back and leads the team to victory. Some of you may remember Super Bowl 51 when Atlanta was playing New England. And midway in the third quarter, Atlanta was up 28 to 3. I, I called Pastor Joshua. I said, this game's over. It's done. You know, put, put a nail in the coffin because it's, it's over. Brady is gone. Well, somebody forgot to tell Brady that he was gone. And anyway, led the team back. 25 unanswered points, and they ended up winning the game 34 to 28. Actually, this is something very interesting. More than 30 team and individual Super Bowl records were broken or matched in that one game. What looked like to be a blowout victory for the Falcons became the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. Why? One reason, they refused to quit. They refused to quit and stop. I'm not going to quit. Can I tell you, I'm going to be real transparent. There were times during the last two or three years, I wanted to throw in the towel a couple of times. I wanted to say, forget this. If this is the way people are going to act, people that you've labored with and you've been with for all these years and then do this, forget this. I don't, you know, and I, I'm just being very transparent. But you know what? There was something on the inside of me. It seemed like any time I wanted to do something like that, I could remember First of all, the, what the Word says, but then there's always my daddy's voice. You're going to finish whatever you started. You're not going to quit. My mom and dad, they would never allow me to quit anything. I remember when I was playing peewee football, and all the boys were bigger than me the first couple of years. And I started when I was seven years old, and um, I was always one year behind because of how my birthday fell. And anyway, I, I, I came home one day. I said, Daddy, I want to quit. He said, Son, you're going to at least finish this season. You started the season, and you're going to finish the season. 
And can I tell you, and I'm not to say that you have to tell your children that. I'm just using that as an example. I was taught growing up, you don't quit. Can I tell you what? There's a lot of people that missed out on that lesson. There's a lot of believers that missed out on that lesson. And we quit way too easy today. And can I tell you, don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on the team that God has put you with. Don't quit on relationships. Don't quit on your children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't quit with people, even whenever they may disappoint you, even when you may want to give up on them. Listen, don't quit. Don't give up on them. The God, our God is greater. Hallelujah. Amen. And in order to win the game, in order to see victory, in order to see success, you've got to make a decision. I will not quit. I will not quit. Would you stand to your feet today? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.